Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup episode 51 for the week ending Monday, April 4th, 2016. My name is Andile Masugu and this is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. Now listen, I'm riding solo this week. Thanks for listening in. An extra special welcome to you if you're new to the show. Now do yourself a favor and catch up on all our past episodes at africantechroundup.com. Otherwise, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for useful news updates and commentary. Our handle on both platforms is at African Roundup. And on Facebook, you'll find us at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. But before we get on with the show, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Now sign up and listen to a fascinating book on how to interpret data to help you predict the next big thing. And the book is called Small Data, The Tiny Clues That Uncover Huge Trends by Martin Lindstrom. Now all you have to do is click through to audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech for your free audiobook. Right, now stick around till the end of the show because in place of this week's discussion, I'll be playing you a clip from a recent conversation I had with two well-regarded poster boys from South Africa's tech startup scene. The first one is Lungisa Machoba of fintech startup Yoko and Shafin Anwasha of the mobile recruitment startup Giraffe. Now, they shared interesting thoughts on what I consider to be the most important growth metric to watch for African startups, revenue. They also tried to explain to me why African startups are so secretive with their numbers. Now, you do not want to miss that. For now, it's straight into this week's news. Now, we start with some exciting news out of Kenya, where cabinet in that country has greenlit the creation of a national space agency. Yay! Now, look, it goes without saying that there won't be any Kenyan astronauts flying to the moon tomorrow or the day after that or next week or anytime soon. But at least... The ratification of what they're calling a strategy policy paper is a giant leap forward. Now, while they're trying to organize themselves to get a man or woman on the moon or to Mars or something like that, the agency they're looking to form has also been tasked with providing support for Kenya's agricultural industry, you know, by offering weather prediction and other kinds of intelligence that would help the sector improve yields. It's a big deal for Kenya. Now, the government also plans to generate some revenue from the program by leasing out it's San Marco monitoring station in Malindi um, to other countries who might be interested in using it for their own space exploration projects. Well, good luck to you, Kenya, and well done. Now, staying in Kenya, the loan app firm Branch has raised $9.2 million from influential venture capital fund Andreessen Horowitz. Now, this is by far the biggest VC news of the week. Andreessen Horowitz is famous for backing the likes of Facebook, Airbnb, Foursquare, Medium, and many, many other darlings of Silicon Valley. Also joining the party for this Series A round are seed investors Kostler Impact and Formation 8. That brings the total investment in Branch to $9.6 million, And so far, Branch has raised a total of $10.8 million. Now, the big idea with you know the Branch app, which is available on the Google Play Store, is that when you download it and become a user, it 
it basically uses an algorithm to calculate a prospective borrower's creditworthiness by analyzing that user's phone data. Now, at the moment, Branch has set a loan limit of just under 500 US dollars, with the average loans being requested by their users being as little as just around $40. Now, people can repay these loans in anything from three weeks to a year, and interest rates that are charged are between 6 and 16%, which is a significantly lower than the 25-odd percent that um, Branch used to charge when they first launched in Kenya. Now, they have over 150,000 users in Kenya alone, and they've recently launched to Tanzania. So things are looking really good for the company. I remember speaking to Aaron Fu of Nest VC, um, based in Nairobi, uh, and him telling me that FidTech would be a big deal in 2016, at least for Africa. I guess it's fair to say he called it. To Nigeria next, where MTN is back in the headlines. Yo, so it seems that South Africa's high-profile lobbying efforts to get the Nigerian Communications Commission to reduce that 5.2 billion US dollar fine levied against MTN for flouting SIM card deregistration regulations have come to nothing. For a while, it looked like MTN might get some relief, you know, by the way of a, a fine reduction or the fine being withdrawn altogether. Things looked good, really. Uh, they withdrew the legal petition that they had filed in the Nigerian courts. Uh, they even paid a quote-unquote goodwill payment uh, to show that they weren't, you know, they were still committed to, to Nigeria as a market and, and all those good things. And now, in, in an unexpected turn of events, Nigerian lawmakers in the House of Representatives are insisting that MTN not be granted what they're calling an unlawful pardon, which... Um, they're claiming that Nigerian law does not provide for. They're not only saying that MTN should pay the initial fine, some of them are pushing to have that fine doubled. Now, why? Well, they're saying that they flouted more than just one regulation, and by law, they ought to be fined on the basis of every single regulation that they flouted. And they're just insisting that MTN cannot be let off the hook. Dark times for MTN. It remains to be seen how this one ends. We'll keep you posted. To Ghana now, where just over 900,000 US dollars has been lost to shady SIM box operators in just five months. Now, some commentators in, in, in Ghana are pointing to the poor regulation of SIM cards in Ghana and the subsequent proliferation of unregistered SIM cards, the very same problem that Nigeria is looking to solve. Um, they're saying that these deregistered SIM cards are, are often used to defraud the state. Now, I have to admit, it's a pretty clever scam that's being run here. Now, the Ghanaian government is is scrambling to sort it out. Essentially, what's happening is uh, SIM box operators allow calls from international destinations to be diverted to Ghana at local rates. Now, what that does, it defrauds the government because the government then does not benefit from interconnect rates from international carriers that are letting the calls through. And, of course, the government doesn't benefit from the revenue at all. It's quite a sophisticated crime that requires a commitment from the government to to not only regulate but police. And that's what people are calling for uh, because it's, essentially it's the taxpayers who who get the raw deal. It's money that's meant to be invested back into um, the, the broader telecoms infrastructure of the country and it's not seeing that. And here's to hoping, well, now that they've spotted the problem, they know why it's happening and who's doing it, uh, maybe they'll do something very soon to stop it and, and improve things in Ghana. No doubt the fracas that MTN is involved in in Nigeria over SIM cards is setting a helpful precedent for lawmakers in West Africa to figure out what it is they need to do and, and just how hard they need to be on mobile telco operators and further down the stream, anybody that benefits from their infrastructure. Now, back to Nigeria for this week's final story. The Nigeria Internet Registration Association, NIRA, has revealed that the country is losing in excess of $50 million every single year in revenue 
Because clients who use the .ng domain are opting to host their domains outside the country. Now, it turns out only 1% of the .ng domains registered by NERA registrars are hosted in Nigeria. The remaining 99% are registered and hosted elsewhere. This doesn't even include users of the domain .com.ng which some estimate to be more than five times in number of the .ng domains in use. Now, what's interesting is that some, a while ago, the federal government gave an ultimatum to all its ministries and all government agencies, I think somewhere in 2014 or so. They were told to migrate all their websites to the top-level country domain .ng. So no .com, .ngs, all .ngs. This was now government policy, which, of course, uh, many government agencies and ministries all complied. But what's interesting is that many of them still host their websites on foreign servers, which is strange. Is it perhaps a trust issue, a security issue? I suppose it doesn't help that come election time, many ruling parties uh, on the continent clamp down on, on the internet and, and perhaps people just don't trust their governments. Perhaps it's just more reliable to have your domain hosted elsewhere. I don't know. You tell us. Is it a trust issue, security issue? You let us know why many Nigerians, 99%, as it turns out, of all users of the .ng domain are choosing to host them outside of Nigeria. Tell us why. Tweet us at African Rwanda. And that's this week's big news. Uh, now, as promised, I'm about to play a clip featuring Lungisa Machoba, who is co-founder and director of the Cape Town-based fintech startup, Yoko. Uh, I spoke to him as well as Shafin and Washa, who's founder and head of product at Giraffe. Now, they offered me an interesting look under the hood of their businesses. That is a sense of how much revenue that their companies are making and why it is that startups in Africa's tech scene are so secretive about sharing numbers. Now, take a listen. So guys, let's talk about the most important metric, at least in my mind. Two important metrics, at least in my mind. Revenue and profit. Now, I know these are not popular metrics in Silicon Valley because runways seem to be a mile long or at least, at least run around the world sometimes. Uh, as long as, you know, there's like happy metrics. Silicon Valley, uh, you know, investors seem to be okay with that and uh, seem to happy to wait it out. In Africa, I feel we don't have that luxury. And I think it's largely a good thing for us because it gets us determining whether things matter or not very quickly. Tell me about, as much as you can, tell me about where you guys are at in terms of the two metrics I mentioned. Cool. Um, you're probably not going to like my answer because I'm actually going against what, uh, what you just said. So for us, we were coming up with a concept that has never been done anywhere else, in, not in South Africa, not in Africa. And, you know, they're exploring it in other countries around the world, but it hasn't been done before. And so for us, we felt like we couldn't start charging our users until we perfected that model. So for the majority of last year, we, we weren't monetizing. And yes, we, we didn't have much of a runway and we were burning most of it up. Um, but, you know, it meant sacrifice. We, we, bent, we believed in our objective. And so it meant that both our founders didn't take a salary. It meant that I sold my car. It meant that we put most of our savings into the business to really test and reiterate and, and sort of build a product that we know that the market wanted. And once we got to that stage, only then did we start monetizing. So we've actually only just, just begun monetizing. In terms of growth, we're growing month on month from a small base, of course, but by a large amount. I'm not going to disclose the exact, uh, the exact specificities around it. Um, but so far, you know, we're really happy with that approach. You know, we, we took a while to make sure that we tweak the kinks out of the product. And we feel we're at a stage where we're delivering the quality that we want. And now we've sort of turned on the revenue tab. And in fairness to you, though, um, when that sort of outlook is accompanied with bootstrapping, I can swallow it a little better. But in your case, uh, Lungisa, what, what's the situation? 
So look, I mean, in our case, uh, we've always looked at this as a, it's, 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 you know, payments, you have to have a really big business for, you know, for you to start hitting the big revenues. Um, and this has got to do with, you obviously get volume breaks over time and all sorts of things baked into it. But ultimately, what we focused ourselves on was two metrics that we've really already released uh, quite publicly. And the one metric is obviously user growth. So at this stage now, we're growing at about 250 users per month. Um, and what's interesting about that figure is in October, when we first launched, that was closer to 50. Um, users being you know, new customers signing up a month. So we've had a really phenomenal growth at this stage. The other big factor, which is linked directly to revenue, but I'm just simply not going to go into the revenue figure directly right now. But the other figure linked directly to revenue is how much volume we're processing month on month. At this stage, we're processing 20 million rand plus in volume every single month. And in October last year, we were processing around 10 million rand. So you can see the growth that we've seen in that. You know, So these are kind of the big sort of uh, big figures that we're targeting. And those are all directly linked to revenue. But as I said, I think at this stage, it would be a bit premature for us to start announcing what our revenue is. Yeah, give our competitors a bit of a bit of information they don't need right now. You told us a lot more than information we tend to get, at least in our ecosystem. Well, what do you think that's about, though? We're, we're a very information-starved ecosystem relative to, to not just Silicon Valley, really quite quite anywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, people are quite happy to talk rands and cents, dollars and cents, pounds and cents, euros and cents. What's different here? Why, why are we so secretive, do you think? So I think companies don't hide information. They hide the void, right? So ultimately, like when we say, cool, let's announce our figures, it's because we know there's not a void there. These are real figures and we actually have traction in the market. Mm. A lot of the time when people want to hide those figures, it's because there isn't the traction behind it. You know? And unfortunately, I think, you know, it is a case where we have had a bit of a history uh, you know, in the African startup space, which is why we need a model that's different from what's been happening elsewhere, is companies need to prove the metrics. And this is what we're all going out to do. And I think there's a lot of new businesses right now that are out there to prove the metrics. So I think it's, it's a change that's happening. And we're going to see a lot more businesses sharing the metrics. Why? Because they have them. You know, We're at a point now where a lot of the startups starting in this new ecosystem that's coming up have real metrics to show. So you're going to hear a lot more figures coming out of companies, both in South Africa and other places around Africa too. Yeah, acquisitions too, though. Uh, we never get information around that. And I feel, especially for a fledgling ecosystem like ours, at least here in South Africa, I think it's crucial for you know to inspire entrepreneurs that are coming up also to prevent them from making the same mistakes. I mean, when was the last time you heard real data around a major acquisition done locally? Or maybe 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 it happens in Cape Town. I don't know. <laughs> in Joburg, not so much, eh? Not so much. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, to your point, you know, learning on other people's past mistakes. How often do you hear of startups shutting down as well? And you know what they did wrong. In, from Silicon Valley, every single day you see announcements of investments happening. But every time a startup closes down, immediately there's this sort of postmortem that's conducted by every sort of tech tech site that's around. In South Africa, that doesn't seem to exist. You see a lot of new startups announcing their services, launching, big growth, blah, blah, blah. A um, couple of months down the line, you don't hear from them and, and you don't, you just don't know what happened. You, you know the Twitter account stopped uh, tweeting six months ago and that's the end of it, you know. Um, and you're right, we need to be sharing more of this information. At the, at the end of the day, the startup ecosystem in South Africa is still extremely young and, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We need to learn from other people's mistakes. We need to uh, impart wisdom, share, share knowledge and we need to foster that sort of behavior. 
Many, 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 many thanks to Lungisa and Shafin for speaking to us. To listen to the full chat I had with those chaps, as well as quick, insightful conversations I've had with other smart individuals from Africa's tech scene, head straight to our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Or just go to soundcloud.com really and, and search for African Tech Roundup. You'll find it right away. You can also just check out our Twitter and Facebook feeds for the link. Uh, it will be posted there. On Twitter, of course, we're at African Roundup. And on Facebook, you can find us at Facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Now, once again, today's episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Audible. Now, they're offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, this week, we're recommending a fascinating book on how to interpret data to help you predict the next big thing. Now, the book is called Small Data, The Tiny Clues That Uncover Huge Trends by Martin Lindstrom. Now, Martin Lindstrom is a modern-day Sherlock Holmes who gets hired by the world's leading brands to find out what makes their customers tick. He does this by spending 300 nights a year in strangers' homes, carefully observing every detail in in order to uncover their hidden desires and ultimately the clues to the next multi-million dollar product. This man clearly doesn't have a life. Now you can get Martin Lindstrom's book or any other audiobook of your choice for free right now at audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. That's audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. Otherwise, that's the week's show, folks. Uh, be sure to listen in again next week. The next episode drops at 9 a.m. Central African time on africantechroundup.com. Go ahead and subscribe when prompt is given on our website. But in the meantime, though, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugu. It's been a pleasure hanging. Take it easy.